resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. Communication is down all over the country. Everybody was just rushing up to the closest high point. I'm just holding on for dear life here. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. The warnings were going up. The extent to which people took heed of the warnings is another question. Very much a wake-up call. People were prepared and that's why we've got less lives lost than we could have had. People need to know what to do and it's not difficult. We provide the right information to people and they can act accordingly. Pacific Kissing Was. The Pacific Pacific, you follow, I must prepare. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Hello and welcome to Pacific Prepared, where the Pacific comes together to share information that can save lives, save loved ones, and save livelihoods. I'm Aaron Carney. Coming up this episode. As the Pacific counts down to International Disaster Risk Reduction Day, we help you build the ultimate go-bag. The informal settlement in Fiji that is afraid cyclone season could be disastrous. The UN discusses the importance of communication in disaster education and everything you need to know to survive a flood. Disasters may be inevitable, but the loss of your life your family, your home, your land, or your village are not. So, let's prepare. It was a terrifying night. Everything was shaking and getting pounded by debris. We had to make sure that they have a safe shelter and drinking water. Helping you stay safe, Pacific prepared. October 13 is International Disaster Risk Reduction Day. And right across the Pacific, a range of initiatives are being organised, many focusing on the importance of preparing for the upcoming cyclone season. The International Day for Disaster Risk Reduction, much like Pacific Prepared, is an opportunity to acknowledge the progress being made toward reducing disaster risk and losses in lives, livelihoods and health. This year's theme is International Cooperation for Developing Countries to Reduce Their Disaster Risk and Disaster Losses. Again, that is right at the heart of what we do together here on Pacific Prepared. According to the UN, disasters impact low- and middle-income countries disproportionately, particularly when it comes to deaths, numbers of people injured, displaced and homeless, economic losses as a percentage of GDP, and damage to critical infrastructure. The UN says we cannot eradicate poverty and hunger if we don't step up investments in disaster risk reduction. To mark this important day, we wanted to do something practical, so we're producing a special animated community service announcement. It will tell you everything you need to know to build a go-bag, the bag that might just save your life when disaster strikes. You'll have to keep an eye on social media to see the animation, but even here on the radio, we can share the message. Why don't you make International Disaster Risk Reduction Day the day you prepare your go bag? Helping you stay safe. Pacific Prepared. When disaster strikes, you may have to evacuate quickly and be away from your home for some time. 
So, disaster authorities recommend making a kit with some essential items you will need if you have to flee your home. These are commonly known as go bags. Your go bag should be brightly colored and easy to carry, something like a large sports bag or backpack. Some go bags have a lot of items and can be quite expensive. Some cost almost nothing. Each episode, we will bring another item for your go bag, and you can decide if it is right for you and how you can make it work. This is the full list of suggestions. Not all will be right for you, but all are worth thinking about. Your go bag could include light, water, food, medicine, hand sanitizer, duct tape, radio, first aid kit, blankets and protective clothing, tools like knives and can openers, toiletries including menstrual hygiene packs, garbage bags, copies of precious documents. Oh, and one more to add, a whistle that can help you be found by an emergency service at sea, in the dark, or after an earthquake, landslip, or tsunami. If you make a go bag, tell your friends and family. Ask them if they have one. If not, they can copy yours. If disaster strikes, they will thank you. This information has been drawn from various sources, including the Red Cross, the United Nations and government agencies. Be informed. Be prepared. Pacific Prepared. NBC PNG's Kevin Marai helping you pack the ultimate go bag for International Disaster Risk Reduction Day 2021. 10 minutes after the earthquake, we had a loud bang and then just saw the sea rising up. Know what to do. Know what to do. Know what to do. Pacific Prepared. One in every five urban Fijians lives in an informal settlement. While these are often vibrant, healthy communities that provide shelter to those who need it, their informal nature means they also come with a range of challenges, not least disaster readiness and survival. Many structures within informal settlements are not built to withstand a major weather event, leaving large numbers of people highly vulnerable. One of the capital Suva's fastest growing informal settlements sits right alongside a mangrove swamp. Residents have built their houses on stilts to survive king tides that wash at their doors. And as Pacific Prepared correspondent Rosie de Viverata reports, anxiety is growing ahead of the upcoming cyclone season. The urban sprawl of informal settlements in some of the most densely populated areas between Lamy Fiji's capital, Suva, and the Nausori Corridor continues to rise. 
The Ministry of Housing and Community Development estimates that there are at least 80 to 100 informal settlements in the Lami Nosori area. Some are highly populated with at least 250 households, while some can be very small with up to 10 households. Only 10 minutes from Suva city center is the ever-growing Mwanivatu informal settlement. It's located next to the main Fletcher Road along the busy Vatuanga subdivision. To one side is a mangrove swamp and on the other a gated high-end apartment complex. Alipa Teranronro is the settlement's headman, Oturanga Nikoro. This settlement started in 2000. There were only a few families living here. When I came in 2006, most of the area was just empty. Along with others, I built my home here in 2006, and I've seen this settlement grow to what it is today. Here at Monibatu, there are 89 houses or structures, 126 households, and 626 people who live here. From disaster preparedness experiences, people living in informal settlements are required to evacuate and take shelter at nearby schools, churches, and community halls. The National Disaster Management Office, or DSMAC, works closely with police to ensure that everyone is safe and secure at the designated evacuation centers. When a cyclone or disaster is forecasted, the Disaster Management Office, DISMEC, and police are normally the first to arrive to inform us of the nearest evacuation centers. There are a few close by, including the National Gymnasium, John Wesley College, Vishnu Deo School, and a nearby Catholic Church. Because we live on land that we do not own, we use whatever we can afford to build our homes, and we continue to do that. Perhaps the most uh, immediate assistance we need at the moment is for the provision of building materials. You can clearly see that most of the homes are simply pieces of timber and corrugated iron hammered together. So if there is some assistance that will help us, it would be the provision of building materials. Most houses lose their roofs and some their walls just from the momentary cyclone winds. The Permanent Secretary for Housing and Community Development, Sanjeeva Pereira, outlined in an email some of the challenges they were facing and what government is doing to address the issue. The weak housing structures are a common observation for informal settlements. This is mainly due to the loose land ownership arrangements in place in these settlements. Without clear ownership of land, investing to permanent structures is a challenge. Mr. Pereira said it was practically challenging to introduce Category 5 house structures within informal settlements due to loose land ownership. However, the Fijian government has introduced a number of programs to address this in a different way over a long term. First Home Ownership Grant. Those buying or constructing their first home are assisted up to $30,000 per household in building cyclone-certified homes. Over 3,000 households have benefited from this in the last several years. Informal Settlements Upgrade. The ministry holds development land leases for 46 settlements. 13 of them are currently in different stages of upgrade, and this covers close to 1,500 households. 
who will receive 99-year lease titles when the upgrades are completed. They can then progress towards building more climate-resilient homes. The ministry also assists up to 2,500 households who are renting in public rental board and heart homes. These households are heavily subsidized with their rent payments. As immediate measures, the ministry also provides tips on securing weaker house structures during cyclone season. We will be commencing these awareness programs soon. This also includes reaching out to our informal settlements through various social media platforms. The National Disaster Management Office, through the established structures, gives priority to these vulnerable areas in responding to natural disasters. A shelter is one aspect of these emergency responses. Back at Monivatu Settlement, life continues for Mr. Ronronro and his family, along with 125 other households. Mr. Ronronro is worried that the cyclone season could be difficult. For now, he is doing all he can to get ready. A Fiji informal settlement situation analysis prepared by the People's Community Network found that 36% of dwellings were in poor or average condition and thus particularly vulnerable to storms and strong winds. 18% of households experienced overcrowding, that is more than three people per bedroom, and some have overcrowding rates of 56%. It also found roads and paths in most settlements were regularly affected by flooding and high rainfall. Pacific Prepared Correspondent Rosie de Viverata reporting from the Fiji capital, Suva. Helping you stay safe. Pacific Prepared. Floods can be caused by severe storms, consistent heavy rain, and monsoon events, cyclones, and storm surge. You do not need to be in a high rainfall area to be affected by a flood or storm surge. Here is what you should know about flooding. Flood water can be deadly even if you are in a vehicle. Never walk through moving flood water. Never drive in flood waters. Flood water can contain downed power lines, human and livestock waste, harmful chemicals, wood, vehicles, debris, and wild or stray animals. Flood water may contain sharp objects such as glass or metal fragments that can cause drowning or injury and lead to infection. Open wounds and rashes exposed to flood water can become infected. Avoid exposure to flood water if you have an open wound. Flood water may contain sewage and eating or drinking anything contaminated by flood water can cause diarrheal disease. Never touch a fallen power line. During a flood, get away from the water to the highest, safest place around. During a flood, it is often too late to make a plan. So, 
prepare now. Include everyone. Make it fun. And be prepared. This information has been compiled for multiple official government and non-government agencies across the Pacific and the world. Pacific Prepared's Tonga correspondent and TBC Tonga reporter Anasiu Falakayono, helping you know what to do during a flood. Did you know the top two deadliest disasters in history were both floods? And that doesn't include the biblical floods. Six million people died in two flood events alone in China. In the South Pacific, Cyclones are just the start of the threat. The waters they dump present an ongoing danger, during and long after the winds have died down. Floods are rarely considered the most terrifying disaster, and so that often means they are underestimated. It was a terrifying night. It was shaking and getting pounded by debris. We had to make sure that they have a safe shelter and drinking water. Helping you stay safe, Pacific prepared. As cyclone season looms, we've been reporting that the United Nations Pacific Resident Coordinator of the Federated States of Micronesia, Fiji, Kiribati, Marshall Islands, Nauru, Palau, Solomon Islands, Tonga, Tuvalu and Vanuatu Sanaka Samarasingha has visited Palau for a series of critical meetings. In a recent episode of Pacific Prepared, he told Micronesia correspondent Bernadette Carrion during his first visit to Palau in 18 months how various agencies are becoming more coordinated and integrated, especially in the ways they interact at community level. He's also emphasising that it's not enough to have a plan to help communities, it must be widely and effectively communicated. Preparedness is not just about uh, making sure you have equipment and uh, um, systems in place. You need to make sure people are very well trained. And you also need to make sure that uh, communities understand the importance of preparedness and the measures that they can uh, take locally. I was making the observation, for instance, to the NEC that in Fiji in the last uh, year or so, we dealt with uh, three cyclones and two of them were category five cyclones. And really there could have been much less damage um, to people's homes if we had worked with the communities to make sure, for instance, that uh, their roofs were strapped or their uh, pig pens and where their livestock were being held were somehow protected from the elements. You know, some simple things, um, you know, protecting uh, water tanks so that they just don't uh, get destroyed when there is a typhoon or a cyclone. So 
this sort of community level preparedness is also another area that uh, we have been and will continue to work with Palau um, as we approach the cyclone season and beyond. And then, of course, there's the response phase and the recovery phase. So in the context of response, we've had in the past when, when the last typhoon uh, came through Palau, we had the World Food Program um, chartering an aircraft here to bring in relief supplies, um, which uh, was supported by the government of Australia. And we've had, uh, of course, uh, assistance provided in the areas of uh, water and sanitation, in particular by UNICEF. And then the last part, the, the recovery, uh, this is also one of the things I emphasize, is that you know already at the point of preparedness and response, we need to be thinking about you know how to make sure we can help uh, recover. Of course, recovery uh, quite uh, importantly has a livelihoods component to it, and so agencies like the Food and Agriculture Organization, which deals with uh, uh, fisher folk or farmers. Uh, the International Labor Organization, uh, which deals with uh, uh, SME, small businesses, micro enterprises, uh, can help. In fact, right now, um, as we speak today, there's an initiative that is supported by uh, the UN Secretary General's COVID-19 uh, Response and Recovery Fund, uh, training people in the informal se- sector and especially in the creative arts industry implemented by the International Labour Organization of the UN and, and UNESCO. Uh, even right now in the context of the pandemic, uh, whilst you've been very uh, fortunate not to have the health impact of, of this virus, you've had, of course, a huge impact on people's livelihoods. And um, so recovery is, of course, a key aspect of dealing with disasters. So these are all the different areas and different ways in which the UN system is and will continue to be helping Palau. The United Nations Pacific Resident Coordinator of Federated States of Micronesia, Fiji, Kiribati, Marshall Islands, Nauru, Palau, Solomon Islands, Tonga, Tuvalu and Vanuatu, Sanaka, Samarasinha, visiting Palau for a series of critical meetings and a conversation that he had with Pacific Prepared Micronesia correspondent Bernadette Carrion. Be informed... Be ready. Pacific prepared. Do you have a pen or pencil nearby? Quickly grab it. As you heard earlier, October 13 is International Disaster Risk Reduction Day, and it is the perfect day to create your go bag ahead of the cyclone season. So, do you have your pen and paper? Here, one more time, is how you do it. Your go bag could include light. Water, food, medicine, hand sanitizer, duct tape, radio, first aid kit, blankets and protective clothing, tools like knives and can openers, toiletries including menstrual hygiene packs, garbage bags, copies of precious documents. Oh, and one more to add, a whistle that can help you be found by an emergency service at sea, in the dark, or after an earthquake, landslip, or tsunami. If you make a go bag, tell your friends and family. Ask them if they have one. If not, 
they can copy yours. If disaster strikes, they will thank you. This information has been drawn from various sources, including the Red Cross, the United Nations, and government agencies. Be informed. Be prepared. Pacific prepared. NBC PNG's Kevin Marai helping you pack the ultimate go bag for International Disaster Risk Reduction Day 2021. Be sure to keep an eye out on social media for the great animation we're producing for the big day. And when you see it, please share it. Ten minutes after the earthquake, we had a loud bang and then just saw the sea rising up. Know what to do. Know what to do. Know what to do. Pacific prepared. Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It is produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji, Samoa National Radio 2AP, and TBC Tonga. Where are you listening to Pacific Prepared? We'd love to hear from you and say hello in a future episode. Contact us anytime. Pacific Prepared at your.abc.net.au. That is Pacific Prepared at your.abc.net.au. You can stream all our episodes on the internet and there's now more than 13 hours worth of information. Head to abc.net.au forward slash radio dash Australia or it's probably just much simpler to type Pacific Prepared into any search engine. If you have access to the internet, there are a wealth of resources that can help you learn about disasters and prepare for them. The Emergency and Disaster Management Offices in most Pacific nations have websites with valuable information. Many outline local plans and procedures, often in local language. For an Australian perspective, head to abc.net.au forward slash emergency or again type ABC Emergency into a search engine. There you'll find information about what to do after a disaster. Of course, be aware that your local circumstances will almost certainly be different. Consider starting a conversation with your family, your community, your co-workers, and think seriously about creating a go-bag, maybe on October 13. We want to help you make the next disaster less disastrous. Thank you to our guests, correspondents and contributors, government and non-government agencies who provided emergency and disaster information and support. And thank you for listening. My name is Aaron Carney. We'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, please stay safe, share what you have learned here, and together we will help get the Pacific prepared. Pacific Prepared.